In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 6 and 7 for continuity's sake. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Amen. Are you there? You can shout amen. Amen. Therefore, verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. Stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I like that so much. I think we ought to read that verse together. Verse number seven. Are we ready? Go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. All right. Let's try that one more time because we didn't get everybody. Are we ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We are in our third installment of passion. Uh, we have been talking about having a life of passion. And uh, it's been really fun teaching this series because I don't know about you, because I've just kind of become more passionate in recent days and recent weeks as we have really been just kind of understanding and, and, and realizing that God has made you and I to be a passionate people. We've been talking about passion for various things. And, and, you know, it's good to have a passion for different things. All of us have passion for one thing or the other. I mean, that's the way God made us. No two people are alike. One of the wonderful things that you can know about yourself is that there's nobody else like you. Isn't that good? You are, you are the only you on the earth. Did I say that right? There is nobody else like you. You are a, listen, you are an original, not a copy. The problem is sometimes we keep trying to be copies when God has made us an original. So learn to love yourself. Learn to live life passionate. I pray to God on a regular basis that our church will not just be a church that just that we, we're not a people that are just bored and just kind of going through the motions of life, that we're really enjoying our life. There's passion in our life. There's excitement. There is something about us that when people come around us, it's contagious. You know, we're 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 passionate people. We're we're passionate about life. We're not walking around with our head hung down and talking about how bad life is and how terrible. I mean, no, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need nobody to keep telling me how bad things are. I want to be around some folk that got some passion, who love life, who love living life. And so we have been talking about a passion for Jesus. We talked last week about a passion for people and a passion for the harvest. This week, we're going to talk about the passion. We're going to talk about passion still, but the power of a focused mind. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Pastor Gary, where are you going with this? Where does passion have to do with having a focused mind? Passion has, your focused mind has everything to do with passion. Because what you focus on is what you give power to. I'm going to say that again. What you focus on is what you give power to. 
And so our ability to have a sound mind, as he says here in Timothy, and I like this because he said that that, a Greek word is sound mind. It means one who makes good judgment. Now, this is what God has given you. So I don't care what the devil tells you. He can say to you all he wants to that you're not this, you're not that. You, You know, he can say all these horrible things about you. But here's what God has given you. And if you have any other thought process, it's not from God. God has given you a sound mind. It means one who makes, has the ability to make good judgment. You have a discipline, watch this, disciplined thought patterns. Mm. The ability to understand and make right decisions. This is what God has given you and I. The qualities of self-control and self-discipline. This is what God has given us. A mind, because this is important as relates to passion. Because we want you to be passionate about the right things, right? We just can't be, listen, you just can't live your life any old kind of way, just kind of going with with whatever comes your way. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try this. God wants you to be disciplined in your thought patterns. Because what you focus on is what you're going to give power to. So therefore, we need to be focused on the right things. Our minds need to be set on the right things. Because how I many know that there's, a, there's such thing of having passions for the wrong thing? You see? Nobody, for example, and I'll use extreme example. Is that okay? That's extreme. Because I know, you know nobody's having a problem with this in here, I hope. But, you know, a person may decide that they're going to try some illegal drug. Let's say crack. You know, initially, they're not passionate about crack, are they? Nobody just, you know, they don't just look at it and say, I'm passionate about it. What do they do? They make a decision to try it. Then after they try it, oh, I like it. Then after they like it, oh, I'm going to try that again. I'm going to try that again. And before long, they're hooked and they're willing to give up everything for that drug. That's why we got to be careful about what it is that we focus on. See, when the Bible says that we're disciples of Christ, you know what a disciple is? You're disciplined. We spend a lot of time telling people what they should and should not be doing. But, you know, we spend very little time talking about your mind and what you're thinking. You cannot allow our minds and our imaginations to run rampant and then think that we're going to have some control in our life. See, the battle for every person starts right here. Right here in your mind. You decide. Now, this is this is another revelation. I want you to get this. You Decide what you are passionate about. Understand that. Passion just doesn't come by osmosis. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm passionate. You decide what it is that you are going to be passionate about. You hear me talk a lot about golf, right? When I first started golfing, I did not, I didn't know what golfing was, really. I mean, I used to watch it on TV and fall asleep. Hated it. I flipped the channel. But somebody one day said, Gary, you need to just come out and try to hit the ball. I went out there. Let me tell you something. First time I tried to hit the ball, I must have missed it ten times trying to hit that ball. I could not hit it. But it was one time, one time, sister, that I hit that ball and that thing went long and I said, Oh, man, I bet I can do that every time. And that one time got me hooked. And every time, every time I would come to the golf range, I kept thinking about that one shot. I said, I know I can do it because I've done it before. And before long, before I knew it, I developed a what? A passion for it. 
Because who decides that? I made a decision that I am going to go to the driving range, right? That I am going to spend my money, that I am going to invest all of my time and energy into this. And so I decided what I'm passionate about. You know, the same thing with as, as a Christian. Well, Pastor Gary, how is it that you have such a passion for Jesus? Because I don't have that same kind of passion. Well, let me suggest to you, it's up to you what you're passionate about. See, when I first became a Christian, I was scared. Because somebody had preached and told, said, look, if you don't give your life to Christ, I knew this as a little kid. I grew up in church, like many of you. And they told me, look, you don't give your life to Christ. You're going to spend eternity in hell away from God forever. And boy, that scared me. So I wasn't all that passionate about Jesus. I just didn't want to go to what? Okay, you with me. I didn't want to go there. But boy, I began to pursue him. I began to learn a little bit about him. I began to pray and saw that he answered my prayers. I began to I began to read the word and I began to see the words jump out at me. I began to sense and feel a sense of purpose and destiny in my life. I felt like I was moving someplace. I felt alive. And before I knew it, guess what? I became passionate. And I, why, why am I passionate? Because I decided to pursue it. I Listen, you decide the passion level. See, God is, see, here's one of the things we do as, as believers. Here's what we do. Well, you pray and say, God, give me a passion and desire. Well, what God's going to do, God's going to ignite something in you. He's going to spark an interest. But then you are the one that's got to put the time in, the work, the planning, the strategizing. That is up to you. So people are passionate about what they want to be passionate about. Passion just doesn't happen. God wants you to be a passionate people. Are you with me? God showed, you know, he said to Joshua, he said, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. I want you to lead the people into the promised land. Right? He said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate in that word every day of your life. Day and night, the scripture said. Why did God say that to Joshua? Because, Joshua, what I'm calling you to do is going to I'm going to need your full and undivided attention. I'm going to need you to develop a passion for it. Because if I don't have passion for something, boy, the minute that it gets rough, I mean, no, I might just dip out on it. You know why? Because I don't really have a passion. God says, Joshua, I want you to meditate on that thing day and night, day and night, because what I'm calling you to, you need to be focused. What was God saying to Joshua? Settle your mind. I want you to focus right here. Because where I want you to, where I want to take you, I want you to focus there. You see? So you may be saying, uh, uh, let's, let's look at it from this perspective. Let's say that you at one time, you was on fire for God. How I many of you remember when you first got saved? I mean, I never saw, I never knew the sky was as blue and pretty as it was. I never, I saw stuff, I remember just driving on the road like a newborn baby. God had opened my eyes. But you know, after a while, you can walk with God. And after a while, if you're not careful, you start to kind of fall out of passion for God. Jesus said this about the church of Ephesus. He says, I've seen your works. You've done really, really well. I mean, you don't allow false doctrine to come into church. I mean, you have really done all the necessary things. But here's one thing you forgot. There's one problem you got. You forgot your first love. You need to repent and come back to me. So what Jesus was saying is, is that the church of Ephesus, they were doing all the right things, but they had no passion for him. 
So when a person starts to lose passion for God, here's what the problem is. Their focus has been redirected. See? Whenever, think about it, every time you had a passion for something, it may have been a, a new job opportunity, right? Oh, boy, wow, boom, I'm excited about that. And then, you know, after a while, not what I expected. So then what happens is your mind starts to go where? Someplace else. And then you find that you start to lose a passion with that. You don't have, that's the same way it is with God. And I pray that that never happens to none of us, that we always make sure that we're pursuing the things of God. Because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You know, every psychologist would even tell you this. Let's say you have a struggle with addiction, some kind of sin in your life, some kind of problem. One of the first things they tell you is what? Talking about a disciplined mind. Don't focus on the problem. Right? Isn't that what they tell you? Now, I've never seen a psychiatrist, but this is what they tell me. That they say, look, when you spend all the time, okay, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this no more, I'm not going to do this no more, I'm not going to do this no more. Your whole day, you're what? Thinking about what? Where's your mind? You need to redirect your focus and replace that with something different. Why? You need to get a hold of your thought patterns. Because here's where your battle is right here. Well, pastor, why do I keep struggling? Here. Every struggle for every one of us is right between the ears. I got little ears. But, but they're right between the ears. See? Disciplined mind. Where is your focus? What do you give most of your attention to? What do you feed yourself with mostly? What is, you know, what, what is it that, 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 that you spend 90% of your time thinking about? I guarantee that's your passion. You decide what your level a passion is going to be. Second Timothy chapter number six, verse number six. Are we, we got that up on the screen? Verse six. Second Timothy chapter number one, verse six. Therefore, he says to Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The laying, stir up the gift. You know what, you know what Timothy was saying? Paul was saying to Timothy, he was saying, Timothy, Here's here's the thing. I have given you, you you have potential. All of you have great potential, right? I mean, some of you, we were talking about this yesterday. Some of you are multi-talented. You can do six or seven things and you can do them well. You're just anointed with your bad self. Just be happy about it. Don't apologize for being anointed. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. That's good. I mean, I mean, anybody that's a handyman, a hand, I love handymans because they do, they'll do just about anything you want them to do. Yeah, they don't specialize in one particular thing. They can do all kinds of things. That's why they call themselves handymans. Whatever you need, I can figure out a way to get it done. Paul was saying to Timothy, you got gift. You got potential inside of you, Timothy. But it is, it's up to you to stir it up. I wonder how many of us have gifts and talents and stuff, and we're not, we haven't even tapped into it. We haven't even stirred the thing up. See, it's up, he was saying to Timothy, Timothy, it's up to you to develop that passion for that gift that has been put down on the inside of you. You got to stir it up. Nobody's going to stir it up for you. God is not going to come if you're sitting there waiting for an epiphany and for Jesus to come and sit at the foot of your bed. Probably there's a good chance that might not happen. And that he tells you that whew, passion ain't going to happen that way. What are you going to do about it? 
He made you in his image. He made you with the ability to think, to reason, to make choices in life. That's a gift of God. That's why we ought to make choices wisely. That's why we got to be very, very careful in what we focus our attention upon. Look at Romans chapter number 12. Are y'all still with me? All right. Now, I want nobody to get sleep because it's, it's going to keep getting good. As we go, it's going to get better and better. And I'm believing that by faith. Whether you believe that or not, it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. Oh, this is good. This is good. He says, let's talk about the renewing of your mind. I need to change the way I think. Listen to what he says. He says, I beseech you, brethren. This is for continuity's sake in verse 1 in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The word beseech means I beg you. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living what? Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. This ain't super spiritual stuff. And watch this. Do not be con- what? Formed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So he says, now, don't be conformed to this world. So then, The world, watch this, stay with me. The world cannot determine what I'm going to be passionate about. For a lot of people, some Christians, unfortunately, they determine that the world system and the world's way of thinking sometimes can influence our ability to think the way that God wants us to think. When he talks about renewing your mind, he's saying renovate. You know, anybody ever seen a good renovation project? When they renovate, they gut everything out. They start from scratch. They, I mean, they clean it out. All you got left is the foundation, if the foundation was good. Because the foundation was cracked, they just tear the whole thing down. But what God is saying, that word, he's, he's saying that, that what he's talking about there is that we need to renovate our mind. Renewing our mind is to renovate, to gut out. That means I no longer can bring to the table as a believer, the same kind of old thought processes that I had in the world that what shapes my worldview is the word of God. Because that's why he says that you may prove what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. So then what determines what I'm passionate about is always going to be consistent with God's will for my life. You follow me? So so y'all look at me like, like I lost you. So in other words, if I begin to learn to understand that, that, that I'm seeking to understand what his perfect will is, my mind has been renewed. Now what shapes my ability, what shapes my thought process is what is pleasing to God. So then I will not allow myself, because my mind is disciplined, to become passionate about things that I know that is outside of the will of God. Well, I got a passion for him or her because I love him. No, you ain't supposed to be with that person. Well, I got a passion for, uh, a passionate hate for somebody. Well, no, you ain't supposed to have that kind of passionate hate because that's outside of the will of God. So what shapes your worldview? What determines what you're going to be passionate about? It should be 
Right here, the word of God. Be transformed. Gut out your mind. Gut out that old way of thinking. Because the old way of thinking anyway ain't done nothing good for you, really. Come on. Because if it did, you wouldn't be sitting in here. All of us came to God because we realized we was a mess. And now, if y'all got it together, I'm sorry. I'm just still growing. Pardon me. I don't quite fit the Mr. Perfection up here. I'm still kind of learning my way through this thing. But that renewal of your mind is a consistent, constant process. That never stops. You're constantly renewing your mind, understanding what is God's will. Okay, do I want to develop a passion for this? Some things you develop a passion for are not necessarily sinful. But God may say, I don't want you that passionate about it. I want to use this as an example. And I'm not picking on nobody. Sean, I know you like video games, but I'm going to use this for example. I have, I came home one day. And my kids, they are nuts about video games. I mean, they just go at it. But I decided one day that I'm going to play NFL Live on the Xbox. <laughs> and I had the Dallas Cowboys. Are you feel me? They was my team. And so I will play my kids because there was one sure way that I guaranteed that the Cowboys were going to win every time. Because I became really, really good at it. I mean, I would sit there and I got to a point that, man, I would, every day I came home, I would say, Whoosh. I call on my boy, come on, let's play again. And they'd be waiting on me because, you know, and I'm, I'm getting this thing down, packing me, I'm studying. And one day it dawned on me. I thought I was playing a game for about 20 minutes. I, I really did. And it was like five hours. I'm like, what in the world? How did that happen? Because I was intense. I was into this thing. And then I realized that, you know, this cannot become such a passionate thing for me because it interferes with what is really important, what God wants to do in my life. So I had to scale back. So we can like some things, but we got to be careful about what we're passionate about. Did that make sense to anybody? Hmm. Hallelujah. Bless God. So we need to have the mind of Christ. Now, let's talk about controlling your mind. Turn to Proverbs chapter number four. Proverbs chapter number four, verse 23. Proverbs chapter number four, verse 23. My son back there, he's squirming because he's thinking, oh, gosh, that is going to make me cut the game off. I have a whole house full of them now. They're at my house all day long downstairs in my basement. I mean, you know, all the kids, they come to my house, the whole neighborhood. I got, who are you? I ain't know who these people are. They're in my basement. And I'm scared to go down there and touch it because I, I know what might happen. I don't want to mess with it. So Proverbs 4.23, watch this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart. Be careful about what you put into your heart. Why? Because what you put in can determine what it is that you're passionate about. I'm going to ask you a question. What is it? Have you thought about this? What is it that I want to be passionate about? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Because you can control that. I mean, what, what do I want to be passionate about? You want to be passionate about life? You first want to, as a Christian, you want to be passionate about God. You want to be passionate about the word. You want to be passionate about fellowship, church. You want to be passionate about your family and passionate. Like I got, I love photography. 
you know, I'm going this weekend and photo- photograph something down in Virginia Beach next weekend. So I'm, I'm all excited. I love my photography. I love being in the mountains. I got a passion for the outdoors, you know. I wish I could develop a passion for fishing and hunting. I just could never do that. Every time I touched a fish, it didn't like how it felt in my hand. I just couldn't do it. Struggle with that. Hallelujah. Do something with that for me, brother. Let's get rid of it. Let's cut it off. It's making noise. It's mine. So keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. So whatever you allow in your heart, in your mind, can control you. That's why he says guard your heart. See, one of the things about walking with God is God puts, watch this, he puts safeguards around your mind. This is, if you don't get, get this, when you prioritize a passion for the kingdom of God, God will put safeguards into your mind so that he will protect you. The Holy Spirit will come and say to you, don't do that. Well, why? But, 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 but sister so-and-so, what well, sister so-and-so can do it, but you can't. But brother so-and-so, no, no, brother so-and-so can do that, but you can't. I used to get mad at God about that. How some people can get away with a whole lot of stuff, but I do one little thing, God just whacked me across the head. I got to suffer. God, why is that? I mean, brother, that person been walking in rebellion for years, and they're just super-duper blessed. Here I am serving you. I'm in the word. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm proclaiming the word of the Lord. And here come this joker. He don't ever want nothing to do with God. He's all partying, living his life any old kind of way. And he's blessed. God, what's up? What's up with that God? Hmm. Somebody say, ouch. See, See, God knows what's good for you. You don't know what's good for you. Now, you try to tell Lauren that, she look at you and scream because she don't think you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because in her mind, can I use that in the sermon? Okay. And <laughs> in her mind, she believes that it's okay for her to do what she wants to do. Don't touch that. Don't go there. And they, they sit there and they look at you. And they can, she, cannot, she cannot understand. Why can't I touch that? Why can't I do that? What's wrong with you, mom and dad? Just because you're my parents don't mean you know what you're talking about. But they actually start saying it when they get older, you know. They really, they really let you have it then. But let's be honest. We kind of like that as people of God. Ain't we? God tell us don't do certain things. Well, God, why can't I have it? Ooh. We're the same way. We're just a little older. And God just kind of put up with us, you know. God, why can't I do this? God, why can't I do that? God said, no, I don't want you to. Mm. God knows what's good for us. I like this scripture in Proverbs 25, 28. This is a wonderful scripture. Watch this. Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Wow. Whoever has no rule over his spirit. In other words, you have no rule over your spirit, over your mind, and what you think about. You are like a broken city that has no walls. You know what that means? That you're every which way. You ever met a person just confused? They're here today, gone tomorrow. Like that, don't like that. It's like they shift with the wind. Every wind that come around, oh, I like that one. 
Oh, I like that. What does that mean? Have no control. We're not disciplined in our thought life. See, when you're not disciplined in your thought life, the, the enemy will always drop. You know he's always going to drop opportunity. Opportunity is a good thing, isn't it? But let me say this to you. Every opportunity doesn't mean it's from God. Some people think, boy, oh boy, that's a hundred thousand dollar, that's a hundred thousand dollar promotion that got to come from God. At what expense? And what are you going to have to give up? I met this guy the other day. He's a he's retired from the police department, and I didn't met him. I know him, and he retired, and he had a job. First of all, he's already getting somewhere around. Six or seven thousand dollars a year just for retirement for the rest of his life. Then he got this six figure job, so he's already making a hundred plus a year. And then another opportunity came up, and he can go all he got to go all the way to India to do the job. And be, but he's looking at the numbers. <gasps> oh, and, I'm, and, I, and I said, Brother, what are you doing now? He just got married six months ago, and he's going off to India chasing that what dollar. Mm, see, when you don't have a disciplined thought life, when you're not sure what direction you're going in, you allow to be pulled and shifted in any direction and you live the rest of your life like this. Every which no real stability in your life until you learn how to discipline your thought life. God has given us the ability to think reasonably and soundly. I mean, no, you ought to take advantage of that. You ought to take advantage of that. And look at Matthew chapter number six. How many of you are worried about something this morning? That's why. Don't say it. I'm about to put you on blast. Says why? Don't even say anything. Just hold it. <laughs> How many of you know that worry ain't never helped nobody? Y'all, do y'all, y'all realize that? I was thinking about that. You know, worry ain't never did nothing good for nobody. Worry, can I, can I give you a revelation? This is for free. Worry ain't your friend. <laughs> worry does not like you. Worry will kill you. Worry will destroy your life. And if Jesus says, don't worry, how I many know you ought to do what Jesus said? He might, he just might know what he's talking about. But yet, we find ourselves sometimes, oh, what am I going to do? <gasps> and then that fear and that doubt come into our minds. And then we begin to meditate on the negative. You think about it, if you spend more time meditating on the, all that time you spend meditating on the negative, why don't you flip that around and start meditating on the positive? Say the just shall live by what? Faith. Start speaking words of faith. I'm going to come out of this. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. For I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. My God will make a way for me. Let's try that for a change. But it's something about the human nature that just love to kind of sit back and say, I'm going to make it. I need to call Sister Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer, <laughs> make it. Okay, you just pray for me. But yeah, but I don't think I'm going to make it. Please call me. If you get like that, please call me. 
I'm going to let you know, oh, you're going to make it. By the time I get through with it, boy, you're going to be so mad that you're going to have time to be depressed. Because I'm going to talk your ears off with faith. I just don't have a lot of time for negative stuff. I mean, I, I said it at the beginning. I can do bad all by myself. Listen, I know that worry kill people. I already know that. And you know what the worry comes from? A mind that is undisciplined. See, it goes back to that same thing of having a focused mind, determining how you're going to live your life, what you're going to be passionate about, how you're going to make decisions. Look what Jesus says. Look at verse number one. He says, now, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Now, how many know what do not means? <laughs> what do do not mean? Don't. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat. Now, I'm not, this is Jesus talking. How I know because it's in the red and my Bible is in the red. All right. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. You ever seen a bird worry? I ain't never seen a bird losing his hair or his feathers. I mean, usually they look pretty good, don't they? They look like they took and taken a bath. Look like they got a nice haircut. They're happy. They always by my window every every morning. Waking me up. You ever seen a bird depressed? Ain't no such thing as they just they just boy they living life. They living large. But yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying, watch this, can, now, now Jesus is saying this. Now watch this now. He said, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his statue or one day to your life? What can you do to improve your life by worrying? Keep going. So why do you worry? Now, now Jesus, he's really getting into it. He want to have a discussion. Why are you worried about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither spin toil nor, toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all, of, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, watch this. Do not. Everybody say do not. not. Now, I want you to remember that next time words start to come into your mind. Jesus said don't do it. Do not worry saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, the unbelievers... Seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. You mean to tell me the thing I'm worried about? God already know what I need. You ever think about that? God is looking at you and he knows everything there is to know about you. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows about the bills you can't pay. He knows about how you're struggling. He knows about that sickness in your body. He knows about all of that. And he says, don't worry about it. Keep going. But seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. 
and everything else will be added unto you. Watch this. Where do we go? Do we go, Mike? Yeah, there it is. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be worried about the things of its own, uh, about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, there's always going to be trouble every day. There's always going to be an issue. Every time you overcome one problem, guess what's knocking on the door? Something else. Boy, you think, I finally arrived. I finally overcome. No, no. There's always going to be issues. But here's what Jesus is saying, that you need to get a hold in your mind. Now, watch this. He says, do not worry means what? I have a choice to make. I mean, no, God doesn't put worry on you. You decide to worry. You decide to lose your hair. You decide to lose your teeth. You decide to lose weight. You decide that when you decide that me and worry are going to hang out for a little while. Worry, come on, you got, you got anything going on? Come on, brother worry, let's hang out. I ain't hanging out with worry. Are you going to hang out with worry? No, you going to hang out? No, no. Got time for no worry. I am not, what, am, what, what am I worried about? Jesus already said, I already know what you need. So if he knows what I need and he knows I need this stuff, then that tells me that he must plan on doing something about it because he already knows. But when people watch this, here's the point I want to make. When people get anxious, depressed, watch this, and they fall into that oppression and that, uh, you know, just get all anxious. You know what happens if you're not careful? You don't want to live no more. Depression kills you. Worry kills you. When you start worrying, it opens the door. The door starts opening up. Because if things get bad or worse, or you perceive it to be bad or worse, then you can slip into a depression. Before you know it, you have no passion for living. You have no passion about life. People that are generally worried, they have no passion for nothing. They just sit and they just stare. You ever met somebody depressed and worried? They don't get up, take a bath. They won't eat. They won't do anything. You know why? Because worry has taken over their minds. You see, one of the things about God, God will never, ever just force you to do anything. You got to decide. This is what I'm trying to inspire you to do today. That you decide what you're going to be passionate about and you decide what you're going to focus in on right here. You decide. God is not going to decide that for you. I mean, I can feel sorry for you. I counsel people and I tell them, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, they got to make a decision. Am I going to stay here or am I going to rise up? Am I going to keep letting life beat me up or am I going to stand in faith? What am I going to do? Am I going to get control of my mind and begin to think like God, or am I just going to sit back and camp in worry, doubt, and unbelief? Last scripture, and we're done. Philippians chapter 4. Now, this is the framework for how you are to develop your passions. And this is a good way to end this sermon, because I assure you, by the time you leave here, the devil is going to throw something in your face. They're going to try to get you all in an uproar. See, and this is why you need the people of God. Isn't that right? This is why you need that fellowship, so to keep you grounded, so you won't get too out there. Philippians chapter number four. I'll start reading in verse six for continuity's sake. Philippians four, verse six through eight. (laughs) 
He says, look at this. He says, now, be anxious for what? Nothing. Did he say, what about being anxious for a couple things? Can I be anxious? Just, I want to worry just a little bit. I just want to worry about my kids for a little bit. Can I be anxious about that? Uh, scripture says, be anxious for what? Nothing. Now, for some of us, that's like, oh, that's huge because you've been anxious so much to even thought of not being stressed or worried just bothers you. But I'm about to break that thing up off you today, hallelujah. You're going to be free in your mind. Don't be anxious for nothing, watch this, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? There it is. Your mind. What are you thinking about? What do you focus on? And look at verse number eight. Finally, this, this is just beautiful. Finally, everybody say finally. finally. That means pastor's about done. Say it loud. Finally. finally. All right. <laughs> Boy, that's the loudest y'all spoke. My goodness. <laughs> finally, brethren, whatever things are true, don't listen to the lie. You know, they used to have some kind of detective show used to come on Just the Facts. What show was that? Dragnet, Dragnet Just the Facts, ma'am, Just the Facts. When the devil try to throw things at you and try to tell you all these lies about this, this going to happen, is it true? Is there any truth to it? Has it happened yet? I mean, if he's saying it, I mean, has it, then don't believe it. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are noble. Whatsoever things are just. That means right and good. Whatsoever things are pure. That means things that are good and full of integrity and and wholesome, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, Pastor, I want peace. There's your answer right there. Don't worry about it. Get a hold of your mind. Control your thought life. Decide that you're going to think positive. And this ain't one of those, you know, some of those positive thinking. No, no. You know, positive thinking, God is all about, this, the whole Bible is positive thinking. This thing will free you. But you determine what, what I want you to get from this this morning. You determine what you're passionate about. You determine by how you think and what you decide to meditate on. Nobody else does that for you, and God's not going to do it for you. So I want you to give some attention to that, and I want you to ask God to renew your mind. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed.